0: Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel, and I'm joined by MN's Bill Werner, Brent Palm, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's happening in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, new evaluations on how to treat diabetes in children. The holiday DWI campaign netted several arrests. Gopher quarterback Tanner Morgan will be playing in two All-Star college football games. But first. MN's Bill Werner tells us Democratic leaders at the Minnesota legislature pushed hard this week to put abortion rights into Minnesota law. Tasha,
1: this week left little doubt that it is top Democrats' top priority for early on in the legislative session, with state capitol hearing following hearing at breathtaking speed, at least by legislative standards. The U.S. Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade, leaving the decision to individual states. And in Minnesota, abortion remains legal because of a 1995 state Supreme Court ruling in a case called Doe v. Gomez. But pro-choice forces want additional insurance to prevent what one lawmaker termed a possible rogue court, overturning that ruling in the future, just as they say the U.S. Supreme Court did last summer with Roe v. Wade. The issue is an emotional one to say the least. At one of several hearings this week, Tippi Amundsen from Brooklyn Park told lawmakers when she was 20 weeks pregnant.
2: We found out that our little boy wasn't going to be able to grow the way he should. He wasn't securely attached to my placenta. And my placenta was growing into my uterus. It is the single darkest day of my life. We needed an abortion
0: to save my uterus.
1: Shelly Claris from Montgomery said she checked in at Planned Parenthood, but could not go through with an abortion.
0: I kept my baby, and it was incredibly hard, but
3: today she has a beautiful family, and she operates a family daycare in a small town in Minnesota.
1: Opponents point out that bill would allow abortion up to the moment of birth, but Republicans have been unsuccessful in their efforts to include a ban on either late-term or so-called partial-birth abortions. One of the most dramatic moments of the week came when Anoka Senator Jim Abler proposed that after 20 weeks, the doctor performing an abortion must administer an anesthetic to the fetus unless it would threaten the mother's life or health.
4: Could you at least, as just one minor little barrier, make sure the baby doesn't
3: feel pain as it ends its time on Earth.
1: Bill sponsor Duluth Democrat Jennifer McEwen opposed that amendment. The
0: purpose of the bill is to trust Minnesotans and to trust health care providers to make decisions about their own individual reproductive health care choices.
1: Democrats say late-term abortions are exceedingly rare and almost always to save the life or health of the mother. Hamlin University analyst David Schultz says the key question is will conservative Democrats be able to vote for a bill that leaves the potential for an abortion up to the moment of birth?
5: Have they done a headcount, the Democrats? Do they believe they have the votes that they have the support of public opinion in Minnesota. Schultz
1: says Democratic sponsors could be taking such a strong stance on the bill to establish a negotiating position. Put
5: the strongest bill possible out um, and then maybe hope that you get it But if not, maybe you have to give to win a couple of votes here and there from different Democrats.
1: Opponents of the bill also warn that without parental notification, which was struck down by a Minnesota judge shortly after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe, that without parental notification, sex traffickers have additional cover for their crimes. To keep them quiet, want to keep their dignity, want to keep their name good, brings that person and brings that minor in. For an abortion. Republican Representative Matt Grossel from Clearbrook. Democrat Carly Katiza-Watoon from Eden Prairie responded such horrible things are already illegal. And including it in this bill, she says, won't guarantee that bad actors won't still do it.
0: My main concern is that should somebody, you know, have um, a situation where, where that happen, that then they have the, the right to access that reproductive health care.
1: And ratcheting up the debate still further is Democrats' proposal to repeal a wide variety of anti-abortion laws that were passed over several decades, laws which are still on the books in Minnesota but currently not enforceable because various courts ruled them unconstitutional. Here again, pro-choicers want extra insurance.
0: To protect Minnesotans from potential future legislative and judicial action aimed at banning abortion.
1: Attorney Christy Hall with Gender Justice, but Kathy Blazer with Minnesota Citizens Concerned for Life warns...
0: This bill would appallingly repeal existing law which protects the life of an infant born alive after an attempted abortion.
1: That law also remains on the books, though a court did strike it down. As for this hard push to codify or solidify abortion rights in Minnesota law, Hamilton University's David Schultz says he suspects Democrats are doing it for a couple of reasons.
2: Want to be able to have this bill signed and delivered by the
5: anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision.
1: Which is January 22nd, but Schultz says another likely objective.
5: I think what they're trying to do is to get this passed as quickly as possible before mobilization against it um, really starts to take off.
1: And this week was the first in a series of statewide hearings hosted by Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison on the proposed merger of Fairview Health Services with South Dakota-based Sanford Health. Ellison said he's keeping an open mind, but outlined one of a number of concerns he's heard.
2: Fairview controls University of Minnesota Hospital, which is a leading teaching hospital. Uh, That's a charitable asset belonging to the people of the state of Minnesota, and if the merger goes through, it'll be controlled by an outstate entity. People have views on that.
1: Sanford President and CEO Bill Gasson told the audience at Tuesday's hearing he's eager to identify how a combined Sanford-Fairview system can work with the University of Minnesota to expand its reach and academic mission. And Gasson said,
4: This includes an option for the University of Minnesota to repurchase. Yeah,
1: a couple days later, U of M leaders held a news conference to say the university wants to again own its teaching hospital and affiliated facilities on the Twin Cities campus, plus build a new state-of-the-art medical facility on the East Bank. President Joan Gable. We are
0: calling on Attorney General Ellison and Governor Balls and the Minnesota legislature to support shifting these facilities to the university.
1: U of M senior VP Myron Franz, the former state management and budget commissioner, says a new state-of-the-art hospital at the university would cost at least $1 billion. Opponents of the merger warn that abortion and mental health services could suffer in a combined system with South Dakota's Sanford. ICU nurse Jessica Rosenberg says that state's governor, Christy Noem, canceled a contract Sanford had to use federal funds for transgender support groups. I am concerned that Minnesotans
0: will be affected by her decisions. And as a citizen of the state of Minnesota, I do not have
1: any ability to vote and affect but Dr. David Wilcox, Bemidji family physician affiliated with Sanford, supports the merger and he told Attorney General Ellison. I've
4: personally given care to transgender patients and have not been hampered uh, since our merger in 2011.
1: Attorney General Ellison has another listening session this next week in Bemidji, the week after that in Worthington, and the week after that in Grand Rapids. Tasha? And this week, a resurrected bill to legalize recreational marijuana in Minnesota cleared the first of a number of required committees in the Minnesota House. Tom Evanstad, a patient in Minnesota's medical cannabis program, told lawmakers...
4: Legalizing cannabis will force the big pot monopoly to finally reduce the highest prices in the nation that have forced patients to other states or the illicit black market where people have been shot dead or were trying to obtain cannabis.
1: But Heather Backus told lawmakers her only son in July 2021 committed suicide due to a cannabis-induced psychosis after he became increasingly paranoid, and she says every guardrail failed.
0: He sent us a text and said he was trying to quit. 45 minutes later, he sent a text and said, I'm sorry, I love you, I love my dad, I wish I would have been a better person.
1: Backus warned lawmakers what's being proposed is not safe. The bill will have to clear a good number of committees because it's nearly 250 pages touch on a wide variety of areas. Minnesotans 21 and older could buy limited amounts of cannabis products and possess them in public spaces, plus have up to 5 pounds of cannabis flower at home and a small number of plants with certain restrictions. There are commerce and tax implications of the bill because growers, processors, retailers, and other cannabis businesses would be licensed. There are criminal justice considerations. It's estimated the bill would allow about 60,000 Minnesotans with low-level marijuana convictions to have their criminal records sealed. Those with felonies could appeal to a special expungement board. There are labor and industry issues. For many jobs, employers would no longer be allowed to test workers for THC, but they could still have policies about on-the-job use, and tests could still be conducted in case of an accident or suspected violation of company policy. And there are public safety questions. The bill would set up an oral fluid roadside test pilot program to determine whether a driver is impaired, although that is much more difficult than with alcohol because THC can persist in the body for weeks. But the final test, Tasha, will be whether the bill garners enough votes to pass the Minnesota House and particularly the Senate, where Democrats have only a one-vote majority.
0: That's MNN's Bill Werner, chief political reporter. More Minnesota Matters after this. Did you know that
6: more lives are lost to lung cancer each year than breast, colorectal, and prostate cancers combined? Lung cancer will claim more than 135,000 lives this year. But new treatments have improved survival for many with the disease and offer new hope for many more. So does lung cancer screening with low-dose chest CT. The American Cancer Society and most major professional organizations recommend that adults ages 55 and older with a long history of smoking, even if they have quit, should talk with their doctor to learn more about lung cancer screening. Lung cancer screening saves lives by detecting lung cancer early when it's more successfully treated. So... Ask your doctor if lung cancer screening is right for you. And if you smoke, ask your doctor to help you quit. Visit the National Lung Cancer Roundtable website at nlcrt.org. That's n l c
0: r t . o r g. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel. There are new recommendations on how doctors in the U.S. should evaluate and treat diabetes in children. Eminence Brent Palm sits down with a doctor from the Mayo Clinic to talk about the new clinical practice guidelines for childhood obesity.
3: The American Academy of Pediatrics is out with new guidelines this week for children struggling with obesity. Joining us on this week's show is Mayo Clinic doctor Andrew Storm to discuss the new guidelines and what they might mean for kids here in Minnesota. Dr. Storm, thanks for joining us today.
5: Thank you very much for having me.
3: We've heard a lot this week about the new Childhood Obesity Guidelines. What are maybe some of the most significant changes?
5: Yeah, you know, this guideline this is really a call to action. And what I mean by that is we've known about this problem for a long time. For the past 10 or 15 years, the biggest pediatric nutritional disorder has flip-flopped from malnutrition, uh, which was worldwide the biggest problem in kiddos, to now being obesity. And I think that an alarm bell went off in a lot of people's heads. It takes some time for these guidelines to be written, and so these are really thoughts we've all been having, again, over the past 10 years or so in medicine. But what they do is they call out specific situations where a child, and I'm a parent myself, so I don't take this lightly, where a a child may need to consider a medication, or even a surgery to help them with their fight against obesity. And that's important for a couple of reasons. We know that obesity impacts kids' health. It impacts their uh, psyche. Um, So their psychological health going into adulthood is impacted by a childhood of obesity. And we know that the majority of kids who are obese, particularly those with severe obesity, are going to carry their obesity into adulthood. And that's associated with a lot of nasty adult diseases that we'd like to help those future adults avoid.
3: Yeah, the one thing I kept hearing was kids as young as 13 can get surgery to address obesity. I'm guessing this is in very few and some of the more severe cases, right?
5: It's true. I mean, obesity has reached epidemic proportions in adults, but is reaching that proportion in kids as well. So 20% of, of kids now now classify as having obesity in America. Here at Mayo Clinic, we're actually occasionally performing liver transplant for liver failure due to fatty liver disease in kids. And that's a disease that just didn't exist 20, 30 years ago. We're routinely treating in clinic sleep apnea and other diseases associated with obesity in children. Again, something that wasn't seen 30, 40, 50 years ago. So it's a new problem. It requires new tools. And we know that bariatric surgery and bariatric procedures, like we perform at Mayo, the endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty, for example, that these procedures help save lives, that they uh, prevent some of those long-term effects of obesity that can be really problematic.
3: You mentioned uh, a lot of this stuff uh, wasn't around a couple, few decades ago. Do we know why maybe there are more obese kids? Are kids maybe not getting enough exercise? Are they eating the wrong foods?
5: I think there's there's some marketing towards kids, so our marketers are really good at what they do, and marketing food and candy and things that are just sort of nutritionally poor but very high in calories has become an art. I think that's part of the problem with childhood obesity is we have too much access to really easy, low-quality calories that are easily digestible, easily absorbed, and that contributes to the epidemic. There's no question about it. I don't know about activity. I mean, I think we do a pretty good job about talking about that in clinic when we see patients. I think people are aware that exercise is important. I think we're doing a lot of good things to keep our kids active and to teach them how to eat, but we're obviously not keeping up with our um, partners in the food industry who are, who are marketing to the kids.
3: Are there maybe policy changes that need to be made? Is there more advice? What are maybe some of the ways we can address this, especially in our children?
5: I think probably policy is policy changes are needed. One of the things that i that I call out, which this guideline is really specific about mentioning, is medications. Medications tend to be a less invasive but increasingly useful tool. For combating obesity, when it's reached a proportion where lifestyle interventions like diet and exercise just aren't going to work to get someone where they need to be to be healthy, medications are approved, you know, by an arm of the federal government, and it's approved, you know, 100, 150 medications for heart disease over the past 10 years. We're still only in the low single digits for medications that have been approved for obesity for for weight loss, and so I think. We're seeing more options come through the pipeline. We're all excited about that and the possibility it brings. But again, I say as a parent, I'm always skeptical about medications for kids, and I can understand that people are going to be skeptical about that. I do want to reassure people that if they're approved, these will have been tested, tried and true, and should be safe on a patient-by-patient basis in a decision with a doctor
3: how closely should parents, I know when we take our kids to the doctor, they talk about body mass index and some other things. Are those important statistics?
5: You know, they serve as a benchmark. They serve as kind of a guideline for where a healthy weight should be, but everyone's different. And so what's going to be a healthy BMI or body mass index for you is probably going to be a little different for me and the next person standing, uh, you know, between us. And so I, I tell my patients not to focus too much on their body mass index, but certainly on finding a weight that's healthy for them. In general, that means finding a weight that, that is associated with normal blood pressure and easy uh, you know, use of their joints. That, that's something we should work on. We should get to a healthy weight where we're not seeing a lot of those side effects from the weight itself.
3: If some of our listeners want more information, uh, does the Mayo Clinic uh, have a place where we can find some of that stuff?
5: There's a great summary on the American Academy of Pediatrics website, aap.org, but also mayoclinic.org has a lot of great resources for folks if they want to get started on a healthy eating, healthy exercise, diet plan. Also, if they, if they just like to learn a little bit more about obesity and diabetes and, and some of the treatments that are being offered at Mayo.
3: Dr. Andrew Storm, hey, thanks again for joining us on Minnesota Matters, and uh, hopefully folks
0: uh, learned a little something here today. We appreciate you joining us.
5: My pleasure to be with you.
0: Thanks, Brent. It's time for a quick break. More Minnesota Matters after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel. The holiday DWI campaign netted several hundred arrests. Joining me today is Mike Hansen with the Minnesota Office of Traffic Safety. Well, Mike, I wanted to visit with you a little bit. Uh, Obviously, the holidays are behind us, and that means the extra law enforcement campaign that was targeting impaired drivers throughout the holiday season has wrapped up. Can you give us a summary of of what you guys saw over the
7: holidays?
2: Well, working, you know, with, you know, we work with over 300 law enforcement agencies across the state when we conduct these high-visibility enforcement events, um, you know, a number of times over the course of the year. And the... uh, the the focus really since the Wednesday before Thanksgiving right through New Year's Day was on impaired driving. And we know statistically that the number of impaired drivers on the road at that time of the year goes up significantly, and that's why we target that. And quite honestly, um, I'm very disappointed in the results and disappointed in the fact that in that relatively short window of time, over 2,200 Minnesota drivers made that horribly wrong decision to get behind the wheel when they were impaired. Thankfully, we had resources out there to stop them before they hurt themselves or somebody else. But the fact that we still have that many people making that many bad decisions, that really doesn't bode well for us and does not bode well for highway safety across the state.
0: And I know you guys kind of outlined some examples of impaired drivers that you've pulled over. Was there anything that really stuck out in your mind uh, throughout the campaign?
2: Uh, it, when I talk to our, my law enforcement partners and friends out there, I mean, just when you think you've seen it all, you see something else. We see moms driving kids. We see families. We see grandmas. Um, we see just the the whole um, gamut of, of people making you know, just the absolute wrong decision. And the fact that, you know, there's also a significant number of those that are using something in addition to or instead of alcohol that is still impairing them, you know, that's another um, uh, real red flag for us. But, but really, the some of the high BACs were the what really caught my attention. I mean, we're talking about a substantial number of drivers who were arrested with three or four times the legal limit of alcohol. Um, and, and those are the real high risk um, and, and dangerous drivers that we really have to keep off the road.
0: It's time for a quick break. More Minnesota Matters after this. Quitting smoking or vaping can be difficult and it can be even harder during times like these when stress is often higher. Finding healthy ways to manage that stress without nicotine is important. For Minnesota residents who are ready to quit smoking vaping or using smokeless tobacco quit partner is ready to help through a family of free programs quit partner offers free support like one-on-one coaching emails and texts educational materials and quit medications like patches gum and lozenges delivered by mail in fact a mix of quit coaching and quit medications can help double a person's chances of quitting no matter what support a person would like to try through quit partner It's always judgment-free. And now that Minnesota has raised the legal sales age for tobacco to 21, residents may be looking for quitting resources now more than ever. To learn more, visit QuitPartnerMN.com or call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel. Former Golden Gopher quarterback Tanner Morgan will be playing in two all-star college football games in this month to try to elevate his potential as a professional football player. Morgan won more football games as a starting quarterback at Minnesota than any other quarterback in program history and is now moving on after six years with the school. He will play in this weekend's Hula Bowl in Orlando and also in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl on January twenty eighth in Pasadena. Eminent sports director Mike Grimm spoke with Morgan about his past experience and his upcoming All-Star
7: Game appearances. Yeah, I think for me, um I'm definitely proud uh, of of you know my time here and then the things that I was able to do on the field, but it brings me more joy, uh, kind of the mentorship side of the mm-hmm. the guys that, you know, hopefully I got to help change their lives just as so many players and, and a ton of my coaches changed my life. And uh, that brings me uh, a far greater joy. You know, just a little story of like, hey, you did this and, uh, you know, made my son's day and now he's a huge Gopher fan or something like yep. that. Like that stuff lights me up inside. That makes yeah. me really happy. And, um, you know, being able to – be a part of a team that won the most games and playing quarterback. I think, you know, it's all about winning games at the end of the day. And, you know, no matter what you do it. So I think being on a lot of really good football teams here over my, you know, four or whatever years starting and, you know, the other two years, I think it, it's really cool for me to, to say that, like, I won a lot of football games uh, as a gopher. More than uh, anybody as know. a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. The, the winningest
4: like, quarterback in the history of the school.
7: Um, That, that means a lot to me. And I hope – if Ethan stays long enough to, you know, I hope he stays two more years and goes 15-0, and 15-0, and, you know, they win the Natty two years in a go, and then he's the the most winningest quarterback, you know, like that would be cool to me too because that's a, um, you know, I have a great relationship with him. But, yeah, it, it, it's definitely something that I'm thankful for. And, you know, I, I bet if, if you said that, you know, when I walked in here that I'd be the winningest quarterback and go for history, you'd probably laugh at whoever said it. And, you know the case is, is a lot different now. Yeah.
4: And and all you did is gone out and, and won games, right? Yeah. Yeah. So
7: it was fun, man. I was a part of a lot of good teams and you know, a lot of good players, so it was, it was a fun ride. Hula
4: Bowl, and then you've got the NFL PA uh, All-Star Game, I guess, for lack of a better term, later yeah. in the month. Um, so those are two big opportunities for you. Right. Um, let's start at the start. How did the inv- invitations come about? How does that all work? And then, um, did you know, h- how do you decide which game you want to play in and all of that stuff?
7: Yeah, you know, I think it's different for everybody. You know, different for uh, a guy like John Michael, who's going to the Senior Bowl. Um and, you know, different for for a guy like me in in my situation. So to be able to get an invitation to go out there and and throw the ball around, you know, do it in front of some scouts is uh, something that, you know, I'm thankful for, grateful for, and, you know, got the invitation uh, uh, through um, an an agent. And so uh, kind of both of those happen that way pretty organically. So, again, opportunities that, you know, you go out there, you throw the ball around, see what happens, and and, uh, something I'm thankful for that I get to – being you know, involved in those two games. And, you know, I'm excited to watch the guys that I played with play. And then, you know, the East West game playing the, uh you know, uh, Reese's Senior Bowl with uh, John Michael. So it's going to be pretty fun. And I'm excited to, to, to see those guys, man.
4: You leave Sunday for uh, Orlando? Yeah, correct. And so are you there practicing for a, almost a week then? Yeah.
7: So we'll, it'll be uh, practicing for a week and then playing on Saturday. And then I'll stay in Florida and then for a week and then train down there and then uh, head up to California.
4: For that one. Same yeah. thing then, a similar yeah. practice. Yeah, yeah. So, the, And that's, that's where you can make an impression practice sure. as much as the game potentially, right? Yeah,
7: absolutely. Getting uh, to just interact with those guys, see how, how you can pick it up, pick up the playbook and go execute it and uh, go out there and make the throws and see what you can do on the field.
4: Have you been able to talk to scouts or any personnel that have said, hey, we've watched you on film – here's what we see, here's where we'd like to see maybe improvement, or here's what we like, here's where, you know, whatever, or is that what you're going to find out maybe next week? Uh,
7: I'm sure that's more stuff I'll find out next week, you know, and that's something that I've always been very real with myself on what I do well, what I don't do well. Mm-hmm. And uh, another great asset that, you know, the U has here is uh, Marcus Hendrickson who has his relationship with r- those relationships with guys and uh, makes things a lot easier, uh, you know, because he'll tell you the hard truth and that's something that, uh is a huge asset you know for the university of minnesota and he coordinates the pro day talks to those guys he was a former scout so yeah he's a huge asset. he knows football yeah, yeah. he's a huge asset to have because he's going to tell you exactly how it is and so you know i know him really well we're birthday buddies we got the same birthday <laughs> uh different years recent obviously. though right uh no in april so april we're, a- not april, re- recent we're day, april. Se- april 17th and so uh yeah he's a guy that's been a great help and kind of just uh saying things like that and, and how to approach the next couple of months. So yeah. it's been a great asset. So that's
4: been a good, a good help as well. Um, and now, and also you just work out, right now you're, you're training yeah. and just get ready for like, it. Is, and, like, like for a running back or receiver, even a linebacker, 40 times important and vertical jump and stuff. Is that, I mean, what are they going to care much about what that all is for a quarterback? Yeah.
7: You know, I think it's an, it's important uh, to a sense to, to show kind of what you can do and show that you're, you know, where you're at and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And, make really make sure it's not a ginormous weakness um yeah. but it's stuff that i'm going to prepare at and you know keep getting better at and i'm excited to see how that process goes and then continue to just get better at throwing the football you know that's something i'm pretty excited for
4: if you talk to guys um that you played with or guys you know that maybe you've played against that have been in these all-star games as to what to expect
7: yeah i have uh you know specifically gibbons because sure. he, he played in the two that i'm playing in you know, slotted to play in so kind of getting his experience and what to expect how to prepare for it and that's been a huge help for me um, and just kind of his approach going into it and how that helped him so i'm thankful that you know got a got a friend like that a former teammate that can help me out in this situation so it's pretty yeah. cool
0: that's former gopher quarterback tanner morgan with Eminem sports director mike grimm To hear the entire 40-minute interview, you can listen to the Go Gopher podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Minnesota Matters. Be sure to join us again next week on this MNN affiliate station. Same time, same place. Stay safe and have a great week. Until next week, I'm Tasha Radel.